we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. There is an action in which there is no resistance, no interference of the past, no response of the me. That action is not in the field of time. It is instantaneous and therefore complete. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is resistance. Upcoming themes are humility, seeking and reactions. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our updated website at kfoundation.org where you can find a new introduction to Krishnamurti, a growing collection of articles, a wide selection of quotes and a new index of topics for easy access to carefully selected texts and recordings. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram. TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on resistance has three sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's eighth talk in New Delhi, 1962, titled Our lives are built on resistance. More and more freedom is being denied, either in the name of religion, organized spiritual thought and belief, or institutionalized political action. If you observe and it does not demand a great deal of intelligence, that politics have become extraordinarily important, and the political leaders seem to usurp the whole of the world, where they are thought by their activities, what they say, what they don't say. We are being conditioned by them. At one time, the priests, of religions shaped our minds. Now the politicians and the newspapers mould our thought. They are becoming the priests. And it is 
it shows how extraordinarily superficial, how on the surface we are living. And we talk about freedom from a superficial level. We talk of freedom from something. And is freedom from something real freedom or merely a reaction and therefore not at all freedom? And we must have freedom, not the verbal freedom, not the mere political freedom or the freedom from organized religions. That I think most intelligent people, most people who are aware of the world situation have gone away from these institutionalized ways of life. Though they have a superficial effect on our life, but deeply they have not much effect. And if one is to find out what is freedom, one must question everything, question every institution, the family, the religion, marriage, tradition, the values that society has imposed upon us, education, the whole structure of social and moral organization. But we question not to discover what is true, but to find a way out. And therefore we are never psychologically free. We are concerned more with resistance and not with freedom. And I think this is important to understand. All our life is built on resistance, on defence. And a mind that has taken shelter behind defence can never be free. And we need freedom, complete, absolute freedom. But to understand the quality and the depth of freedom, one must first be aware in what manner, at what depth, we have built defences and resistances psychologically. And on these defences, resistances, we depend. And behind these walls we look upon life. From behind these resistances we look and translate life. So before we can inquire, find out what is freedom, we must understand the resistance that we have built 
and also never to build again any form of resistance. These two must be understood before there can be freedom. We have built up resistance ideologically, verbally, traditionally, because psychologically we take shelter behind these resistances. If you observe yourself, you will see this to be a fact. And we are not discussing, we are not talking as a communication merely of words, <coughs> but we are concerned with the understanding of ourselves, because without understanding yourself you cannot go very far. Without knowing yourself as you are, not the Supreme Self and the Divine Self and all that kind of theological nonsense and ideas, but actually what you are from moment to moment, that's what you are, not the ideas, not what you should, what you want to be, but the fact of what you are, which fact is undergoing change all the time, it's never still. <coughs> and you have, one has to understand that, that is, there must be self-knowing, to know oneself. And without knowing oneself, you, it is absolutely impossible not to live in illusion. So we are inquiring <coughs> not into ideas, not into a new formulas, new speculative theories, but we are actually looking at ourselves as it were in a mirror, and from that observation discover for ourselves what it is to be free. If we have the capacity to look at ourselves without distortion, to see actually what we are, then every form of resistance, every form of dependence ceases. And that's what we are going to do. As I was saying, we have built resistance, because we are always in conflict. We have never a moment when we are not in a struggle, in travail, in sorrow, 
in conflict, in some form of confusion. And to escape from this confusion, from this sorrow, from this insufficiency, poverty of being, we have built walls, and behind these walls we take security. And these walls are ideas, they, are not, they have no value at all, but they are just ideas, they are just verbal structure. When you call yourself a Hindu or a Muslim or a Christian or what you will, that merely ideas, words, they have no reality, they are symbols. And symbol has a no reality, it's merely a shadow. But to find out what is beyond the shadow, one must leave the shelter, the refuges, the resistance. So we have, during the course of our lives, built walls of resistance, resistance as an idea, as an ideal. The more spiritual you are, so-called spiritual you are, the more ideals you have. And ideals are resistances. They are not facts. The fact that you are violent is real, but the ideal of non-resistance is spurious, it has no value at all. That's a form of resistance which prevents you from looking at the fact that you are violent. So. A mind that is inquiring into freedom, and there must be freedom, because you, I will go into it presently and you will see the real significance of it. One must be completely free of romantic ideals, because they are irreal. The ideals which the churches have built up, Religions have built up, the saints have built up. They are forms of resistance and have no validity. What has validity is the fact, which is that you are violent or that you are ambitious, greedy, envious, creating enmity. And a mind that is ridden by ideals, as most minds are, derived from books, derived from their gurus, derived from society. Such a mind can never be free, because we are dealing with actuality, with facts and not with theories, 
not with speculation. As I, we pointed out earlier, a religious mind is concerned with fact, as the scientific mind is concerned with the observable facts under the microscope. We are concerned with psychological facts, and when we are examining those, it's only in the freedom from resistance there is mutation. That is, change, change implies resistance to the present, to the present, a continuity of the present modified, but still the continuity of what is, only modified. That's not mutation. When we are concerned with freedom, we must also inquire into the question of change, because a mind that is mere is concerned with change, which is gradually, through time, through a long period, through a process, which if you observe is, cha is a, a modified change, but continuing the same old pattern. And there is only mutation, not gradual change. The idea that you will gradually change is another form of resistance. Either you change immediately, or you don't change at all. You don't change because the very process of change implies revolution, and, you, and there is fear of what might happen. So through fear you resist every form of change. And a mind that resists change can never understand what it is, implies mutation. That is, sirs, you are angry. And you say, I will get over it. I will become non-angry. So you have introduced another problem, which is the ideal, and therefore there is a conflict between what you are and what you should be. The ideal then becomes the means of gradual change. Therefore you really don't change at all. You, there is mutation only when you see anger and end it immediately, and not build the defence of an idea. Please observe, think this or look at it. As I am explaining it, look at it yourself. Don't accept what we are talking about. There is no authority in the world in spiritual matters. 
if you have authority, you are dead. So, when you introduce a th the time element, that is, I will change gradually, you don't change at all. The gradual process is a form of resistance, because you have introduced an idea, an idea which has no reality. What has reality is that you are angry, you are vicious, you are ambitious, envious, acquisitive. Those are facts. Now, to look at them and to be free of them immediately is, is all important. And you can change them immediately when you have no idea, when you have no ideals but are capable of looking at them. So, freedom is the capacity to look at the psychological fact without distortion. And that freedom is at the beginning, not at the end. That is, if you understand that time is a process of evasion and not a fact, except chronological time, which, has, which is a fact, but the psychological time that we have introduced as gradually bringing about a change in ourselves has no validity, because when you are angry, when you are ambitious, envious, you take pleasure in it, you want it. And the idea that you will gradually change has no depth behind it at all. So one removes psychological resistances by observing the fact and not allow the mind to be caught in unreal, unreal, ideational, theoretical issues. When you are confronted with a fact, there is no possibility of resistance. It is there. So freedom is to look at the fact without any idea to look at a fact without thought. The second extract is from the first talk in Madras, 1969, titled We Seek Security Through Resistance. Are you aware, no, conscious, that in you there is fragmentation, a contradiction? And 
What does this contradiction do? That is, there is a division between one fact and another fact. Right? One desire opposing another desire. One tradition, one culture opposing another tradition, another culture. One belief against another belief. And so on and on and on and on and on. This duality. Why? Before you even put that question, see what this duality does. See, not agree with what the speaker is saying. Watch it in yourself what it does. Division exists as long as there is resistance. Right? Right, you're following? As long as there is resistance, there must be division. Right? You're seeing, not, I'm not telling you. Resistance being like or dislike. Resistance of your experience opposed to another experience, the resistance that you have built in yourself through your knowledge, through your experience, through your conduct, through your memory, as opposed to another, the resistance. When, you, when the speaker says, nationalism is poison, You immediately build a resistance. When the speaker says, all belief, all ideals are stupid, again there is a resistance. To learn is not to have a resistance. Right? If you say, I agree with you, well, uh, what's the point of it? But if you learn what the speaker is saying, learn the truth of it, then there is neither agreement nor disagreement. Then we are working, living, taking the journey together. So. Where there is resistance, there is division. And why do we resist? Please follow this. Give your mind to this and your heart, not intellectually, but give your heart to understand this immense problem. Then you will, it will be yours. You will live a totally different kind of life. Why is there this resistance? You know, you resist. Resist your wife. You resist your husband. You resist an opinion. You resist a, a conclusion of another. Why? 
please inquire. Don't wait for me to answer it, agreeing with it or disagreeing with it. Find out why you resist. You resist, obviously, because you don't want to be hurt, right? You have taken security in a belief, in a tradition, in a particular experience. And any doubt, any question about that, you resist, because your belief, your tradition has given you security, right? There you feel safe being a Hindu. And any disturbance in your belief you are going to resist, right? So the mind, which is the mind, the brain, the physical organism resist whenever there is any form of danger to its security, right? You are following all this? I wonder. Because we are going to discuss something go into something that needs a great deal of your attention, a great deal of your care, affection, not boredom, not your devotion, not your uh, sentiment. This requires very clear observation on your part. We are inquiring into this immense question why man, throughout the ages, for millions of years, has lived in this contradiction, in the ancient pictures, on the walls, in caves, thirty, forty, three thousand years or five thousand years ago. The same problem of duality, the good and the bad, the evil and the all that. We have lived like that. And we are going on living that way. And to bring about a radical psychological inward revolution is to understand this this immense complex question. Because when there is division between you and me and I and they and we and, and so on, there must be conflict. And we have accepted a way of life which is conflict. A sannyasi giving his life to God or whatever he does, he is in conflict may put on a quiet, serene face, but inwardly is boiling, as you or another. So until, till we, un, till we learn about this, our life will be a perpetual
perpetual battle. There will be no peace inside or outside. You may go to all the gurus and meditate. You will never have peace till you have really learnt this. And the moment you have learnt it, you are as good as anybody else. You are as good as all the gods and the saints in the world. Right. I hope you are also working as hard as the speaker. We said, we resist because we have taken security, we have taken shelter. Please go step by step into this. When you resist and therefore conflict, that's a waste of energy, right? You understand? When you take a vow of celibacy, of poverty, and that very vow creates a contradiction to the obvious fact that you are not a, you are passionate, lustful, there is a contradiction. And therefore that's a waste of energy. Right? You're following this? Are you following all this? Where there is conflict of any kind, there is a wastage of energy. That conflict is brought about through resistance, through contradiction. Contradiction exists when there is a wall between you and something else. Right? So, the mind, the brain, the brain cells themselves and the organism demand security, safety. Right? If you had no security, where you are going to sleep, where your meal and so on, your body will be disturbed. Similarly, the brain cells have taken shelter in memory, in belief, in thought. The very structure of the brain demands that it be completely secure, otherwise it can't function efficiently. Right? Because it is not insecure, because it is not secure, there is conflict. Right? You're following all this? <laughs> I'm afraid not. Don't you take security, comfort in your family, 
And if anything happens to that family, you are disturbed. Don't you intellectually take shelter in some hypothesis that there is God or that there is no God? Don't you take shelter in your idea of what love is? So the brain demands complete security. Therefore, it finds security in things which cannot possibly bring about security, as in nationalism, as in belief, as in division, yours and mine. You fo- right? You are following all this? And therefore, our brain has become inefficient. Right? Efficiency means the highest capacity of energy in function. And if you observe how your own brains react, you can see how the brain, cells themselves are living in the past. Right? You are following? You are living, you who think you are living, is li- you are living in the past. Every knowledge is already the past. Oh Lord! Huh? So the past, in the past the brain is taking security. And so the past comes to the present, modifies the present, the memories are modified in the present or added or taken away, and moves into the future. Right? You see that? So there is security in the past, uncertainty in the future, and confusion in the present. Do watch it, please. Don't laugh. Watch it. Learn. So the past will invariably divide. You find it? And the past is the observer who is looking through the microscope. You are following all this? So, the brain cells, the whole structure of the mind and the organism, the psychosomatic structure, is the past. The past being memory. Memory which is conditioned by the culture, the society, the economic thing and so on in which it lives. 
so the past because in that there is security there is resistance right you're following all this do understand do listen to this learn about it you will see what an extraordinary thing will, will you will try will bring about a revolution in yourself so the observer is the past the observer divides because he only knows resistance and therefore the observer and the observed right you're following all this <laughs> look says when you observe what what is it that is observing do observe you understand you are sitting there the speaker is here you are observing the speaker looking at the speaker what are you looking at not only the form of the speaker the face and the gesture but you are looking at the speaker with the image you have about the speaker right the reputation right you are looking at the speaker through the screen of your own image of your own conclusion of your own hopes despairs pain pleasure which is the past right so the past is the observer who is the image that image is the reputation and so on through that you are observing so there is division you right right do you see this so there is division between you and the speaker you the observer and the speaker the observed right there is space between us space physical space which is time and there is the space of your conclusion as the observer so as long as there is this division between the observer and the observed there must not only be resistance there must be contradiction there must be conflict there must be perpetual war right are we journeying together then the question arises since man began he has lived in this contradiction between the good and the bad the devil and god and so on and there is this in this division this there is resistance and that resistance is created by the observer 
who is the past, the me, the I, the ego, the opinion, the conclusion, the, the concepts. He is the observer, and the thing observed is you or I, and therefore there is a division, right? And this division creates conflict and therefore complete waste of energy. Right? That is, man seeking security, he must have security. Must. Complete order. Order means security. Right? Physical order, intellectual order, order in the brain cells themselves. He must have order. Order means security. Physically you must have order to get your next meal. And and order means security, safety, so that the brain can function perfectly, without any resistance, right? Now, how can this happen? That's now the next question, right? You're following all this? I wonder if you have not followed why you are here at all. This is not an entertainment. This is not a devotional meeting. This is something tremendous if you go into it. You'll find out what love is, which we'll go into afterwards. So the question then from this arises, can there be observation without resistance? Can there be observation seeing, listening, without the listener, without the thinker, without the experiencer? That means can the mind, the brain, be completely innocent. You understand? The word innocence means incapable of being hurt. You understand? Not all the symbolic meaning. Incapable of being hurt by anything by society, by experience, by extra... nothing can hurt it. And because it is capable of being hurt, therefore it resists, therefore it divides, got it? Therefore it protects itself in nationalism, in God, in some potty little book called the Gita or the Upanishads, something or other. Right? So, 
can the mind, the brain and the heart, the whole organism observe without the observer. You followed all this? Don't say afterwards, what is the observer? <laughs> it's not the higher self and the lower self, that's just another theory. The observer is the entity that has sought security through resistance. Knowledge as a means of resistance, information, class division as the good and the bad, the heaven and the hell, my family and the community, the individual and the whole. You know, the word individual means something quite different from what it, we generally have meaning for. Individual, individual means indivisible. An individual means that which is not fragmented. And because he is fragmented in himself, he has built a society ar around him which is fragmentary. And he has taken a shelter in one fragment. And that fragment is the past which is the observer. Ah, you see how it all fits in? Huh? Oh, you don't see the beauty of it. <laughs> so, you know what beauty is? The beauty of a face, the beauty of a smile, the beauty of a sunset, the beauty of seeing something extraordinarily subtle. You know what beauty means? Beauty means sen sensitivity. Sensitivity to words, to gesture, sensitivity to the tree, to a child, to a face, to a smile. And there is no beauty when there is any form of resistance. And the sannyasi because he says, I'm going to find God, I must resist every form of sensation, desire. You follow? Never look at a woman, never look at the nature, the cloud, the, the lovely earth. He has built a resistance. And therefore he is living in a world of torture, division and conflict. Right? So from this arises the question, can they, please listen, can the brain and the whole structure and the nature of the human being, can he have complete order, absolute order and absolute security? You follow? If he cannot, he will resist, because resistance means not being able to hurt, not to be hurt. You're following? 
So can he have complete order? Order means complete security. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1971, titled To Live in This World Without Resistance. It is obvious, I think, that one needs a great deal of energy. Energy, vitality, interest, intensity and passion to bring about a change, radical change in ourselves, but also if you are interested in the outward phenomenon to see what we can do in the process of our changing ourselves with the rest of the world. Not only how to conserve energy, but also how to increase it. We dissipate energy so endlessly. Useless talk, having innumerable opinions about everything, living in a world of concepts and formulas and everlasting conflict with ourselves. All these indicate a wastage of energy. Conflict, opinions, conclusions, images, formulas, and so on. These are, I think, waste energy. But beyond that, there's a much more deeper cause that dissipates the deep energy that is necessary not only to change, to bring about a change in ourselves, but also to penetrate very, very deeply beyond the confines of our own thought. We need an astonishing amount of energy. And the ancients have said you must control sex, hold your senses in rain tight, take various vows so that you don't dissipate your energy 
and consecrate your energy to God or whatever it is. All such forms are also wastage of energy. Because it breeds in one. Obviously, when you take a vow, it's a form of resistance. Now, <clears throat> seeing all that, one needs an energy not only to bring about a superficial change externally, but also a deep inward transformation or revolution. And to go beyond that, one needs to have an extraordinary sense of energy which, is, which has no cause, which, is not mo which has no motive, which has the capacity to be so utterly quiet that it, that very quietness has its own explosive quality. I'm going to go into all that. I don't know if you are interested in it, but if you are not, it's Thorpe, I'm going on. <laughs> First, one sees how human beings waste their energy. Quarrels, jealousies, this tremendous sense of anxiety, and the everlasting pursuit of pleasure and demanding it, fear, and so on. That's that's fairly obvious, that's a wastage of energy. And also, is, is it not a wastage of energy to have innumerable opinions and beliefs about everything? How another should behave, what another should do, and so on. And is it not a wastage of energy to have formulas, concepts? And in this culture, we are encouraged to have concepts, to have formulas according to which we live. Don't you have formulas, concepts? in the sense, having images, how you should be, what should happen, the, the sense of thought which rejects what is and formulates what should be. All such endeavour is 
waste of energy. And I hope we both can proceed from there. And what is the more basic reason which dissipates great deal of energy? With both of us inquiring, we are sharing the inquiry together. I want to find out, apart from the usual cultural heritage that one has acquired, how to waste energy, there is a much deeper question, which is, Can life function, living, carrying on daily life, without any form of resistance? A resistance is obviously will. I know you're all brought up on will, in the sense that you must, you must not, should, should not, control, will. Will is independent of the fact. Will is the assertion of the self, please follow all this, of the me, independent of what is. Right? Will is desire. The manifestation of desire is will. And we function superficially or at great depth in this assertion and resistance of desire as will, which is unrelated to the fact, depending on the desire of the me, the self. Do are we meeting with each other? Right. So I'm asking, is it possible to live in this world without the operation of will at all, knowing what will is? Will is a form of resistance. Will is a form of division. I will against something I will not. I must against something I must not. 
So, will is building a wall in action against every other form of action? Right? I will get in. I don't want to run by myself. We only know action either conforming to a formula, to a concept, or approximating according to an ideal and acting in relationship to that ideal, to that pattern, to that formula. That's a, what we call action. And in that, there is conflict. There is not only imitation of what should be, which we have projected as an ideal, and according to that act. And therefore there is a conflict between the act and the ideal, right? Because in that there's always an approximation, imitation, conformity. I hope we are watching our own activities, our own mind, how we exercise will in action. And I feel that's a total wastage of energy. And I'm going to show why. As we said, will is independent of the fact of what is and depending on the self, what it wants, not what it is, but what it wants. And that want, depending on its circumstances, environment, culture, and so on, divorced from the fact. Therefore there is contradiction. Therefore there is a resistance against the what is. And that is a wastage of energy. And action means the doing now, not tomorrow or having acted. Action is the, in the present. Now, can there be action without the idea, without the formula, without the concept, an action in which there is no resistance as the will, and therefore if there is will there is 
contradiction and resistance and effort, which is a wastage of energy. So I want to find out if there is an action without any will which is the assertion of the me as resistance. Are you interested in all this? Good luck to you. I doubt it, but it's all right, I'll go on. Because you see, we are slaves to the present culture. We are the culture. And if there is to be a different kind of action, different kind of life, and so different kind of culture altogether, not the counterculture, but something entirely different, one must understand this whole question of will. Will belongs to the old culture, in which is involved ambition, drive, you know, the whole assertion and the aggression of the me. And if there is to be a totally different way of living, one has to understand the central issue. That is, can there be action without a formula, a concept, an ideal, a belief, an action based on knowledge, which is the past, and therefore not action, follow all this, therefore conditioned, and being conditioned, if it is dependent on the past, must inevitably create discord, and therefore conflict. So I want to find out, both of us, we are inquiring, if there is an action in which will doesn't enter at all, and therefore choice. We said the other day, where there is confusion there must be choice. A man who sees things very clearly, either neurotically or obstinately, he doesn't choose as the man who sees very clearly. So choice will, resistance, the me, inaction, is wastage of energy. And 
is their action unrelated to all this. So that the mind lives in this world functioning in the field of knowledge and yet be free to act without the impediment of the limitation of knowledge. I wonder if I'm going You know, it's awfully difficult to convey all this verbally, especially to so many people. If two or three of us were sitting together, hmm, we could go into this very quickly. We'd have direct contact, direct communion, which is communion being sharing together as we go along very quickly. Not only at the verbal level, but also at a deeper level, non-verbally. We say, I say, the speaker says, there is such action, an action in which there is no resistance, no interference of the past, no response of the me. Now that action is because it is not in the field of time, time being yesterday, with all the knowledge experience which acts today and the future is already established by the past. There is an action which is instantaneous and therefore complete, in which will doesn't operate at all. And to find that out, I'm, mind must learn how to observe, how to see. If the mind sees according to the formula what you should be or what I should be, then Action is of the past, right? Now I'm asking, is there an action which is not motivated, which is in the present and which doesn't bring contradiction, anxiety, conflict. 
as I said, the mind which has been trained, brought up in a culture that believes and functions and acts with will, such a mind obviously cannot act in the sense we are talking about. Because it's conditioned and therefore cannot. So can the mind, uh, your mind, see this conditioning and be free of it, so as to act differently, right? If I, if my mind is trained, held in a, in education, the whole business, to function with will, then it cannot possibly understand what it is to act without will. Therefore, my concern is not how to find out, to find out how to act without will, but rather to find out if my mind can be free of its conditioning, which is the conditioning of will. Right? That's my, my concern. And I see as I look into myself, that I am, that everything I do is, has a secret motive or a deep anxiety, has, is the outcome of some anxiety, fear, the demand for pleasure and so on. Now, can that mind free itself instantly to act differently? Right? You're getting what I'm talking about for the love. Come on. So I must learn, the mind must learn how to look. That is the central problem for me. This mind, which is the result of time, result of various cultures, experience, knowledge, can it look with eyes that are not conditioned? That is, can it operate instantly being free of its conditioning? So I must learn to look at my conditioning without any desire to change to transform and to go beyond it, right? I must ha- I must be capable of looking at it as it is, right? If I want to change it, then I bring about again the action of will. If I want to escape from it, again, a resistance. If I, if I keep some and reject others, it's again choice. And choice, as we pointed out, confusion. So can I, can this mind look without any resistance, without any choice? Can I look 
the mountains, hills, trees, my neighbor, my wife, my husband, my children, the politicians, the priests, without any image. The image is the past. Right? So I have, I must be able, the mind must be able to look. So when, when I look at what is in myself and in the world, actually what is, without resistance, then out of that observation there is instant action which is not the result of will. Got it? Now we are going to go, we are going to go into something from this, which is I want to find out how to live in a, a life in this world, acting, not going off into a monastery. not escaping into some uh, nirvanic or uh, some guru's assertions that if you do this you get that, all that silly uh, nonsense, putting all that aside. I want to find out how to live in this world without any resistance, without any will, which I've gone into a little bit. And I want to find out also what love is. So I must, the, my mind, which has been conditioned to the demand of pleasure, to the demand of gratification, satisfaction, and therefore resistance, and I see all that is not love, right? So what is love? You know, to find out what, it, what is, one must deny, put aside totally what it is not. Through negation come to the positive. Not seek the positive, but come to it understanding what it is not. Right? That is, if I want to find out what truth is, not knowing what it is, I must be able to see what is false. If I don't, if I haven't, if I have the capacity to perceive what is false, I can't see what is truth. Right? So I must find out what is false. 
the body's fault. Everything that thought has put together, except technologically, is false. Oh, ma. That is, thought has put together the me. Right? The me, the self, with its memories, with its aggression, with its separativeness, with its ambitions, competitiveness, imitation, fear, and the past memories, all that has been put together by thought. Right? As thought has put together the extraordinary things mechanically. So, thought as the me, which has in essence no reality whatsoever, is the false. So when I understand, when the mind understands that it is false, then the truth is there. 